In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids and teens up through the 12th grade please come forward? morning. How is everyone today? Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. You get it? This is the first Sunday in Advent and for the church, this is the beginning of the church's new year. And it ended last week. So every year on the first Sunday of Advent, that's a brand new year. It's not like January 1st New Year. That's the world new year, right? This is the church's new year. And there are two great events, the greatest events in all the world that we as Christians know about, but the rest of the world hasn't come to learn yet. The greatest event in all the world really was Jesus, God coming down, leaving everything glorious and wonderful behind and coming down to live in humanity, to become human. That's one of the greatest events in all the world because it brings us back into union with Christ so that we can live with him forever. Number one, that's the greatest event in all the world. We know about it. The rest of the world doesn't know about it. And it's our job to let the world know about it. The second greatest event hasn't happened yet. Now, I will say under that event of God coming down, incarnation, part of that belongs to his death and resurrection. So that's part of the same great event. The second greatest event is is Jesus coming again in glory and majesty to bring his church into his eternal kingdom. That's the second greatest event, or maybe it's the first. I don't know. I haven't experienced it. But I do know that it's one of the greatest events in all the world. And it could happen right now. Or it could happen 100 years from now. We don't know when. We don't know when it's going to happen. But the Bible promises that it's going to happen. And I think, I think Jesus in his mercy, God in his mercy, is waiting for as many people to repent and turn to him before he comes and takes his church, which millions and millions of people all over the world, not just St. Timothy's, but millions of people all over the world who have come to know and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, as God, as the second person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And so on this great day of Advent, we prepare ourselves. This whole season is about preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus. He already came in the incarnation. He came as a little bitty baby, and we're going to celebrate that in four weeks on Christmas Day. But we're also preparing ourselves for the great glorious second coming when he comes to take his church all those who love him to be with him forever. And he wants everybody. God wants everybody. But the Bible tells us that those who believe will be saved. And so we have to convince those who don't believe to believe in the Lord Jesus. That's our job. We have to do that. That's why we tell people about Jesus, about how great and loving God is and how much he wants to save each and every one of us. So let's prepare I'm sorry, I'm just finishing my sermon. 
I'm glad you came, though. A little bit late today, huh? But that's okay. You're here, right? You're worshiping God. And so we're just talking about Advent and how wonderful that is. And so we got four, three more weeks after this one to celebrate the season of Advent. Christmas is a little weird this year because Christmas Eve is on Saturday night and Christmas Day is on Sunday. So whoever comes on Saturday night, that counts as a Sunday. But we get to prepare. We, we prepare our hearts and we prepare our minds for these three or four. We prepare them all, all year long, but especially during this season of Advent. We prepare ourselves to, to receive God's coming. Okay? All right. Thank you for coming. If you want to get a packet, you can get a packet from Mr. Giesland right over there. So there were two rabbinical students who got caught by the rabbi gambling and drinking in the company of undesirable characters even before the sun set on the evening of the Sabbath. And the rabbi called them into his study the next day and both of them confessed to having given in to weakness and they admitted that they indeed deserved punishment. The rabbi thought and thought and thought. Then he went into the kitchen and he brought back two bags of dried peas. And he told them, put these in your shoes and walk on them for a week to remind yourself how hard life can be when you turn away from the law. Well, a few days later, the two students met. One was limping terribly had dark circles under his eyes, looked very tired, and the other seemed much as he had been the week before. And the first guy said, hey, how is it that you are walking so freely? Didn't you do as the rabbi told us and put the peace in your shoes? And the other said, of course I did. How could I disobey the rabbi? And he started to walk away and he turned around and then he said, but I boiled them first. <laughs> Smart cookie, huh? Then there was a the woman who went into her kitchen to find a burglar loaded down with a bunch of stuff he was stealing from her kitchen. Not having any kind of weapon to scare him off, she raised her hand and cried out, Acts 2.38, and proceeded to quote scripture. The burglar froze in place, didn't move. The woman called 911. The police arrived, were amazed to find the burglar still frozen where he stood. They asked the woman, what did you say to him to keep him from moving? And she told them that she had simply said Acts 2.38 and quoted scripture. The police chuckled and they escorted the burglar out to the patrol car and they asked the burglar, why did the woman's quoting scripture scare you so much? And the burglar said, scripture? I thought she said she had an ax and two 38s. <laughs> and by the way, in case you're wondering, Acts 2.38 has St. Peter saying, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. Smart woman. So as I just mentioned to the children, we say goodbye to another liturgical year. And we say hello to the beginning of a new one. Advent 1, the first Sunday of our new year. And I would like to begin this first sermon of the new year by telling a popular story about a very wealthy man who found great joy in collecting fine art from all over the world. This man had a son who also grew up to enjoy fine art. And father and son, they spent many pleasant years collecting famous paintings for their mansion. But one day war broke out in the country and the son went off to fight. A few weeks before Christmas, around this time of year, the young man was reported missing in action. And the old man was filled with anxiety as he waited to hear of his son's fate. And then it came. Only days before Christmas, the news arrived that the art collector's son was dead. His son had died a hero. He'd been trying to help a fallen comrade when he himself had been shot. The old man, he didn't think that he would survive his own grief. He had loved his son more than life itself. He couldn't bring himself to celebrate Christmas. He barely felt alive. But a knock at the door roused him from his grief. And the young soldier in the doorway introduced himself as the one whose life had been saved by the old man's son. He had come to express his appreciation and to give the dad a gift. This soldier explained that he too was an artist and that he had painted a picture of the man's son. And the father looked at it and was amazed by the lifelike quality of the painting. He hung it on the mantle of his study and there it brought him great comfort. It became his most prized piece of art. Well, a season passes and the father himself dies. Other art collectors around the world were excited to learn of the old man's death for it meant that his collection would now be up for sale. The day of the auction, people crowded into the mansion eagerly waiting to bid on this great art. A sigh of disappointment escaped the crowd when they realized that per the old man's will, the picture of his son would be the first piece to be auctioned. The other collectors called out impatiently that they had come to bid on the real art, not on some sentimental piece. And no one would make a bid. And finally, a friend of the family bid $10 for the painting He'd been fond of the son, and he knew how much that piece meant to the father. When his bid was accepted, all the other collectors, they began to cheer. And finally, they would get to bid for the important stuff. But the auctioneer, he put away his gavel, and he announced the bidding closed. The collectors, they were furious. Was he crazy? All they'd sold was a worthless picture of the old man's son. What about the rest of the art? 
the auctioneer, he pulled out a draft of the old man's will, and he said, it's all very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. And folks, that's what this season of Advent really is all about. God has revealed to us his creation, to his creation, to us, to humanity. We know what God wants because of his revelation. God wants us to be a new creation. And this is how it happens. When we take the Father's Son, we get it all. When we walk in the light of Christ's love, we carry his kingdom within our hearts. But we've got to make that decision in our lives each and every day. Do we really want what God has to offer? Is the kingdom of God more important than other things that we might have already chosen? Do we really accept Jesus as the Lord of our lives or are we waiting to bid on the more important stuff in life, right? Listen to another story in Siberia, close to Vladivostok. Several Soviet soldiers stormed into a church, interrupting worship. And folks, this happens all over the world today, by the way. They loaded their weapons as they aimed them at the congregation of approximately 100 people in the church. The senior officer, he stepped forward and in a voice devoid of emotion, he said, you are worthless to the state. You dirty Christians are slaves to an opiate of the masses and you must be exterminated. Tonight, we are going to execute all the Christians in this church. And then he smiled his best Marxist smile and he said, however, we understand that many of you probably do not believe whatever it is that brought you here today. You have two minutes to leave. Those who remain will be killed. There was silence. And then in a sudden rush, half the people in the church, they darted to the door. There was more silence. And then a collective sigh escaped from the soldiers. Their weapons clicked loudly as the soldiers put them back on safety and began sitting down with members of the congregation. And to the astonishment of all those who remained, the officer humbly said, we have come to worship Jesus with you. But first we had to get rid of the informants and the hypocrites. Now, here's, here's a thought. Would you have stayed behind in the church to possibly be executed? Or would you have darted out? My guess is that many of us here in this room, including myself, might have found the right justification for darting out. You know, I've got my family to support. I can do more good alive than dead. But maybe that officer was right. Maybe there are some of us who 
probably don't truly believe whatever it is that brought us here this morning. And so what do we do about that? Well, the good news is that we're here. And even though it might be to a small degree, we are preparing ourselves to be involved in the life of God. Even if it's a baby step, we are at least in this place worshiping God. And some of us might feel like we have a very good, solid relationship with the Lord. Others of us might feel like we are weak and unstable and might walk out on God any moment. Well, let me say this to both the weak and the strong. I want you to keep those cracks in your lives open. That way God can sneak in and touch you, whether you be weak or strong in your faith. God can sneak in and touch the person hiding behind the big wall, scared. They don't have to be cracks that everybody can see because sometimes that's just too nerve-wracking. But there does have to be a crack where God can slip in. Just a little place nobody knows about but you and God. And of course, you can be big time open if you want to, but that's a little hard for some people. And for other people, even those who seem to be strong, sometimes we pretend to be open when we're really not open. So during this season of Advent, allow me to offer this one piece of advice. Don't plaster up those cracks with lies that you tell to yourself. Don't plaster them up with way too much to do in this very busy season. Don't plaster them up with endless diversions. Leave the little cracks open so that God can slip in. Allow God in so that you can stop being afraid and sad and thirsty and pitiful. Let God love you. You don't have to love God back at first. Just get loved on and get well. Pretty soon you might be able to lift a little finger and say, thank you, God. If you've been starved for love, God isn't going to overwhelm you right at the first. Maybe an eyedropper is all you can take and that's all you'll get. But it will go on from there. So be prepared. Allow the love of God which will come. A love which is found in Christ Jesus. Because remember, when we take the Father's Son, we get it all. His kingdom. May your new year be full of God's love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.